The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. just because he lives, and it is indeed. Thank you. I uh, hadn't heard that one in a lot while, so it's good to be refreshed. invite your attention this morning to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. And if you're visiting with us or you forgot your Bible, that's page 929 or 930 in the Blue Pew Bible, and you're definitely welcome to use that as a way to, uh, uh, to look through. Megan, um, can you turn on the house lights actually, please? That would be great. Uh, I'm having some trouble with my demise, so just uh, out of things, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Well, you know, this morning, as we are, uh, we're in a couple-week kind of break uh, between Easter and between a major study we're going to do through May and June, uh, we wanted to take a couple Sundays here and talk through some topics that have come up repeatedly. Uh, many of you know we have a Sunday night Facebook Live where people get online and they ask questions of all sorts of stripes, but these next two weeks are, are, are questions that have come up in various forms and various ways over the last two years. And you say, Darren, you get a lot of repeated questions. We do, and it's great. Keep asking those. It's a good thing. Thank you for asking this. Uh, many of you I'm looking at now have asked these questions. So this week, what is a pastor? And next week, what is the church? And, and that doesn't sound too exciting. I'm going to be honest. If I'm sitting in the pew, I'm thinking, what in the world does this have to do with anything? But this, I'll get into all that in a minute. But I want you to know, this is actually of greatest benefit to you as a congregant and as a church member. Because sometimes in this world, we believe things about things that aren't true, and equally, we don't believe things that are true on both sides of that coin. So we need to know these things. But before we get there, I want to present you what a pastor is. Are you ready for this? He kind of looks like this. If uh, Matt, you made me think about this. So Matt, this might be you. I don't know. But this is what a pastor looks like, as you'll see up on the screen right here. This is a pastor. <laughs> we call him super pastor, by the way. And super pastor is always available to everyone. He accomplishes great things. He always has time to stop and talk. He never misses a birthday, and oh, even better, he never misses an anniversary on Facebook or in person, just so you know. He's always there if you're sick at the hospital. If you have a cough, he's running to Walgreens for you, just like that. If you have a sneezel, he's there to catch it before it hits the floor, just so you know. You can call him wherever you want and get advice. He's available 24-7, 365, and you have his direct phone number whenever you want it, just like that. He spends hours studying and praying, and you can interrupt him at any time because he has that many more hours to study and pray. Uh, this is Super Pastor. He loves meetings. Man, he loves meetings so much that he would attend everyone because he loves them that much. And you all love meetings too, don't you? And he always puts his family first. Now, uh, have you met this pastor before? Uh, yeah, he doesn't exist. I, I, hope you, I hope you see I'm being very facetious this morning. This person does not exist, and if he does, uh, his idol is ministry, not necessarily what God calls him to do. But isn't it so true? That's how we often see pastors today. Pastors have to be the builders of things. I, I, you know, I'm trying to learn from Don and Carlos as they're building onto things around our church, but uh, I still am going to kill myself with a hammer one of these days, I'm telling you, because I'm not that good. Uh, I try and learn all sorts of things. But is this what a pastor is supposed to be? I mean, what really is a pastor? Those are great things, and I, I'm not belittling any of those. They all have truth to them. Uh, there's a great book that was written many years ago called Gilead. 
It's about an a, a elderly pastor who has a son in his 60s, and he's getting ready to retire from the pastor, but now he has a newborn baby coming. And he reflected in this fictional book about what a pastor is. And he says, I've got, I've got a reputation to keep because I have more books than I have time to read, but boy, people think I'm smart. And I'm reading more books than I ever have useful. By far, I've learned one thing from those books. Some guys write good books, and I just know their names, and that's all a pastor has to do. This isn't a new insight, but he goes on in this fictitious book, and he says, when someone sees my light in my study late at night, they think I study, but really, I'm just sleeping in my chair at that point. Is that how you view the pastor? What is a pastor? Many of you say, if I asked you in a congregation, what is a pastor? Many of you would say, preacher. And that's true to an extent. That's largely collect, but... Really, what is a pastor supposed to do? Is a pastor supposed to grow like a CEO grows Microsoft to the greatest end? Is a, is a pastor supposed to be a comedian? Is a pastor supposed to preach the word? Is a pastor supposed to do? What is a pastor supposed to do? I mean, come on, be honest with yourselves. You've probably asked that question. What does the pastor do at Tuesday morning at uh, 9 a.m.? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assembling things on the assembly line or I'm at the office, but what is that pastor doing over there? What's he doing back there? Come on, you've had that thought before. I have. What is a pastor supposed to do? Well, let me tell you what a pastor is not supposed to do first. Ezekiel 34, 12 says this. Uh, God speaking, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and rescue them from all places that they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. A pastor is not supposed to scatter the sheep. A pastor is supposed to draw them in. David Wells, who's one of the contemporary art, uh, writers, said this. He said, across many market-driven churches, gone is the scholarly saint pastor who's comfortable with books as well as aches of the soul and who knew the flock and knew how to tend to that flock through God's word. In today's world, it's changed. Today, the new celebrity style works by changing the people who is more of a CEO and is results-oriented and is okay to employ any worldly method necessary so long as people see him as colorful personality. Is that what a pastor is supposed to be? Just another radio voice. Why do we need to know this? Well, friends, I want to share with you this morning that the most wonderful pastoral ministry that we can ever have, the big idea says, is to offer you two things, the word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer. That's not very exciting, is it? In a world where we live from one zip to the next, that doesn't sound very exciting. But as a pastor, We are looking at the church plumbing today. We need to be reminded of these truths. I, as a pastor, need to be reminded of these truths. Because you see, for pastors here, if you're a pastor, would you, if you've been ordained as a pastor before, can I, can I bother you for a second? Would you mind standing up? Anybody? Uh, I think all of our, Chris, I I saw you out of the corner of my eye, brother. Yeah, if if you're a pastor and you don't feel comfortable standing in a room of Christians, that's, I'm just kidding you. He's giving you a hard time. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. You saw three guys. You saw Doug Hager, you saw John Moody, and Chris Lancaster. And Chris and I have known each other for many, many years. Uh, If you have ever been ordained as an elder before, oh, what is that word? We'll get there in a minute. If you've ever been ordained as an elder before, would you stand up? Do we have any elders among us? I'm not talking age here, necessarily, although we do have elders among us. Well, friends, why do we do that? Why do we have them stand up? Because these men have been set apart by a church at some point. Some church is far away, some church is close to do the very thing that the big idea talks about, to offer you the word of God and prayer. But today's world has changed the pastorate to be a slot machine for Jesus. You walk up, you need something, you just pull it and hope that the pastor spits it back out at you. It's true. So what is a pastor? Why is this important? You say, 
look, I'm a Christian, Darren. Why do I need to know all these things? You need to know this because this is what you have called us to do. This is you being accountable, one to us. This is you knowing why, if we get off the track, how to pull us back. This is you knowing full well that someday, Lord willing, I may not be here for 50 years, but I hope to be, praise the Lord, that you may have to fill this pulpit someday. What are you looking for? How does this impact you? How does a pastor serve you best, and how do you best serve a pastor? And if you're not a Christian here today, thanks for staying with us. You get the plumbing lesson today. You get the rotor-rooter approach to sermon prep today. But what you need to know is that as we study through these things, I pray that you, if you're not a Christian here today, that you see a glimpse of who Christ is, because that's ultimately the picture of a pastor. Three things we'll look at today. What is a pastor? And these are uh, lined out very basically. But we're going to look at a, the number of pastors. How many should a church have? You ever thought about that before? I mean, some churches have like 75 pastors on their, on their dockets. Is that, is that fine? Is that not? What, what should we be doing? And what's the nature of a pastor? And what are the job descriptions of a pastor? Friend, I bring these great truths to you this morning, not to be academic, not to be, hey, look at me, look at Matt, look at Gilbert. No, that's not why I do that. Because sometimes, as these questions have shown over the months and years, sometimes we need to be reminded about where we should be biblically. And if this office of the pastor is messed up, then guess what that does with the rest of the church? Throws it all to the side. If you'll join me in standing this morning, we're going to look at Acts 20. We're going to be flipping around a lot today, and I'll read you a lot of scripture, but I want to camp out just for a reading at least this morning from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 27. And Paul writes this. This is Paul in the middle of Acts. He's meeting the Ephesian elders, uh, as the scripture says, and I'll start in verse 17. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come home. And when they came to him, or come to him, and when they came, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affections, afflictions await me. But I don't account my life as any value nor as precious to myself, if only I finish my course and my ministry, that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you whom I've gone about proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom will see my face again. Verse 26. Therefore, I testify to this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. You say, Darren, this isn't as exciting as a topic about why we believe hell is true or why uh, this topic or this topic or this topic or this topic. No, it may not be as exciting, but it's much more necessary perhaps as we look at why this is important to you, to me, and our church, and wherever God may lead you someday. This is so, so vital for us. The plumbing of the church Home Depot would be very happy with us today. We've got a lot of plumbing to put together. God is good. Let's pray this morning. Father, this is Back to Basics 101. But Father, as the questions have shown on this topic over the last two years at Tower View, this is a question that many people have asked. What is a pastor? What is a pastor not? What are they called to do and not called to do? Father, and that's an exhaustive that we have more time to today. But as we hit on some highlights... 
Father, would you give us great grace? Father, I pray for brother pastors around the world that you would help them to faithfully preach the word of God and pray and minister and be the physicians of the souls as we were called to be many years gone by. Father, I pray for anyone listening to this. This this wouldn't be a checkout time for the next 35, 40 minutes. But Father, as we learn one to another what your word requires, both of member, uh, uh, regular attender, and pastors, that you would help us to do it all to your glory. Father, that's what we're here to do. Thank you for these dear saints, Father. We pray for many who are ill and traveling this morning. Be with them. Glorify your name through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated, guys. You may be seated. The first question I want to answer today is, how many pastors should you have? You ever think about that? How many pastors should you have? Friends, this is a great question. And I want you to know as I present this information, for some of you, this is going to be new. This is going to be something that you look at and say, wow, I've never heard this before. For some of you, this is going to be old hat. But as I said, we need to be reminded of these things. First off, I just want to jump right into it, and Megan will put it up on the screen. The Bible teaches that each local church should have a plurality, that's a word we'll focus on, of godly qualified men called elders. Oh, Darren, you wore, you know, many of you came up and said, Darren, didn't you have a sweater on before? Yes, but I found my suit coat because when the pastor preaches, you have to wear a suit coat when you preach about pastors. Amen. But if I take this off, I look like a 22-year-old college kid's getting ready to graduate from whatever school that is. But if I put it on, does that make me a pastor more than the rest? Maybe not. But what is an elder? What is that? What does that mean? Well, friends, I want you to know that any time in the scriptures you see the word pastor, elder, overseer, in the old King James bishop, these are not different words. They're actually the same word. Isn't that weird? Did you ever think about that? If you've had a knock on your door before, and you do get a guy that says, I'm Elder Joe Bob, and he looks like he just graduated out of junior high, and you know he's from a church that believes that they can become elders at a certain thing, you think, Elder? You're like 15, man. How did this work out for you? That's not what we're talking about here. The Bible refers to the many roles of a pastor, the number of pastors, as a pastor, elder, overseer, and teacher. Let me give you some scriptures. Uh, you can write these down. These won't be on the screen. I'll just read them for you for sake of time and space. Acts fourteen twenty three. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord with whom they believed. That word elders is always in the plural. Pastors, elders, teachers, overseers is always in the plural. It's interesting, isn't it? And, and many of you know I, you know I do not like this time frame simply by the way of things. But I love history. I love History Channel. And one of the biggest sectors of history I love studying, although it was atrocious time, is World War II. World War II, many of you were, were around in that time. And you know it was just crazy. I mean, people were doing things it, it, just wickedly that you'd never think possible. But what we are talking about right here would have put most people to sleep during that time. But after World War II, by God's providential sovereign grace, America grew prosperous while other nations sank financially. And one thing that happened over those church times is churches started popping up all over the place. You know this. And uh, even back in the 1840s, uh, the Pony Express, around those times, churches were popping up like the, my dandelions are uh, in my yard. I mean, they're just popping up all over the place. You'd mow one down, and they just pop right up the next. And what happened? They started getting to a point where the churches were being filled, but they didn't have enough qualified men, so they stuck the job to one single pastor, single pastor-led church. And we have that model many ways today. But in the scriptures, and I'll read some more for you, the passages show that in the local church, the number of pastors is actually more than just a single pastor-led church. There's multiple. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And now from Miletus, and we just read this, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders, the pastors. 1 Timothy 4, 14. 1 Timothy 4, 14. Don't neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders, plural, laid hands on you. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. James 5, 14. Let him, is anyone sick among you? Let him call the elders among you. So that word has some weird connotations. Have, uh, many of you have grown up in churches where elders are a common thing, pastors. Friends, but pastor, elder, teacher is the same thing. So why is this important to you? Well, it's important because all elders are pastors and all elders, pastors are elders. And that means, friends, as our church, very practically, pray for our church to raise up godly men who can help fulfill this within our church. See, Darren, don't we already have a pastor? Isn't that what we hired you to do? Yes and no. Do you realize that in the scriptures, not every pastor was full-time? We were very blessed, and thank you for supporting the ministry so well that we can do this full-time. Matt can do this you know, part-time, is whatever that is. You know, no ministry is part-time, especially youth ministry, even music. You're, you're strumming on things in your garage when no one else knows about it. You do these things. But just because someone is employed by the church unto the Lord does not mean that God cannot raise up men, God-qualified men, to serve as pastor, elder, teachers. Actually, that's very, very biblical. Pray for our church, friends, that God would raise among us strong men who are not afraid to say, this is God's word, and stand on it with all humility and grace. See, that sounds weird. It may sound weird to our ears because we've lost this. Friends, I'm not bringing to you anything that hasn't been taught for, for centuries. Like I said, you would be asleep already by now if this was given in, in 1937 at most churches. And this isn't trying to bring back a blast from a past, but the more we look at the scriptures, what is a pastor? A pastor is among other pastors in the church, both lay, both, both, both the normal Joe and the, uh, the vocational, if you will. That's how we see the scriptures. In some churches, Paul was a pastor where he made tents. He was a tent maker, which I don't know how you make tents. That just sounds exciting to me. Take a class in tent making and, oh, go pastor a church. But other times, he was fully supported, as we saw in Philippians, where he was fully supported to do the work God had called him to do. So how many pastors should we have in a church? That's up to each church to decide. But I'm here to tell you, it's not just Gilbert, Matt, and Darren. Biblically, there should be you among us men who stand up and say, I'm going to be led in this way. And we'll get more to that in just a minute. This is not only biblical. We've read just some passages. It's historical. We shared a little bit of the history there. It's theological. Paul spoke as one of the elders. He didn't say, I'm the only pastor. I'm Paul. Hey, get out of the way. He said, among the other elders. And it's pragmatic because every pastor needs a pastor. Do you ever think about that? Well, Darren, you're the pastor. You have the red line phone to God, right? That means you never struggle. Your kids never disobey. They never get sick on a Saturday night before while you're going to bed. It never happens to you. Your wife has spick and span. I mean, there's not a dust mite in the church. Well, there's not in our house, and my wife does pretty well. But you see how it goes. Pastors never struggle, do they? They just smile wide as Texas and call it even. And I'm being facetious. But friends, it's pragmatic. Because as pastors, we need accountability as well. And congregationally, we'll get to that next week. What is the church? That plays part of that. But because every Christian needs a pastor, including pastors, Paul had set up. He told Titus, go raise up elders in every town. They didn't call the seminary and say, hey, Luke, Aaron, 
come down and be, a, be, a, be an elder for us. Although, brothers, if you're here long enough, we may consider that. He didn't call the seminary and say, hey, send us some pastors. He said, raise them up among you. And men, I want you to know that that is our call. We are called to be leaders in this church. And we'll get to that in May and June, but that is where it comes in. Why have a multiplicity, a plurality of pastor, elders? Because we supplement our lacks of judgment in one another. I don't have the corner of the market on wisdom. You've known me for two years. You know that's the truth. You also know that when difficult decisions need to be made, it shouldn't go to one person. It shouldn't go to a committee. Actually, the Bible says it should be, spiritually speaking, on a spiritual level, it should go before the pastors. What? Yeah, it was. The elders were called to do that, pastor elders. And it encourages people to think more than, if I just pay $20, he'll get up and preach for 40 minutes. If I pay 100 man, I don't know how long he's going to preach. And it raises people up to know that you are responsible before yourselves and the Lord to grow in Christ. So that's the number of pastors. Friends, would you pray very practically for our church that God would raise up God-fearing men among us? Ladies, this does not disenfranchise you, but we believe that the pastorate is called for women alone. Southern Baptists have believed this for years and years. Uh, that's a whole other study. But men, we need to rise up. Men, we need to rise up and stand on God's word because that is biblical. We are to lead with all the boldness of a lion, but with the soft glove of, of a pianist who won't touch the same piano Bach played on because they know it's a sacred relic. That's what we need to do. What is the nature of pastors? And I'm going to cut a lot of notes here for sake of time. But friends, there are a number of things that the Bible talks about as the nature of pastors. In fact, Spurgeon said a faithful pastor is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Not awful like that's terrible, but like a, a blazing furnace for who God is. Let's look at some common pictures of what the Bible says about pastors. First, the Bible says that the pastor is to lead as a sheep uh, would lead, uh, a shepherd would lead the sheep. And we see this all over the place. I'll just give you some references. Uh, in Genesis 47, uh, Pharaoh and Jacob meet, but the Jacob, or Joseph, picks five of his brothers and introduces them to Pharaoh. And, and uh, Joseph introduces them to Pharaoh as shepherds of his family. Genesis 47, verse 3. How about this? Genesis 48, verse 15. Uh, uh, Joseph speaking. He says, God who has been my shepherd all the days of my life. We are called to be shepherds, pastors are. That's the nature of a pastor. We're called to be shepherds. Uh, I've never been around sheep very much. I know the ones at the zoo, and that, yes, actually, our Kansas City Zoo does have sheep, if you want to know that. I know they're kind of fickle animals. Our kids love them because they can feed them, and they just keep going back for more and more and more and more. Uh, but as soon as they squeal, they run away. It's just the, the nature of the sheep. But as a pastor, what we need to remember is that, and what you need to know about us, is that our job is to lead you as a shepherd leads sheep while also remembering this truth. We are also one of you. Isn't that an odd thing? Have you ever thought about that before? We are called to lead you, but we are no different than you only by the Lord's calling. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. In Numbers 27, Moses, at the end of his life, prayed, who will lead and take them over so the people wouldn't be with a sheep, like a sheep without a shepherd? Chronicles, David said, to pray to the Lord. He said, shepherd of my people, Israel. God is our shepherd. And friends, and Megan will put this up there, if the Lord is really your shepherd, you know sometimes what has to happen? Sometimes he's going to smack you in the hindquarters every once in a while to make sure you're still alive and going right in the direction. That's what a good shepherd does. But you know what? When you look at the number of pastors that are there, as the Bible talks about a multiplicity, a plurality of pastors, when one pastor gets out of line, you know what God can do with that rod through another pastor? Hey, other pastor, 
boing, keep going that way. Get back on track, you silly sheep. And that's what we do. Friends, this is meant to be a pathetic image. Uh, sheep without a shepherd. It's self-destruction of a flock. And God says this over and over and over again. In Jeremiah 10, 21, he says, shepherds are senseless and they are scattered because they are false. And in Jeremiah 23, he says, woe to the shepherds who are scattering my people because you have driven them away and you will be punished on, uh, the punishment will be on you, declares the Lord. Do you see that this church called Tower View that we have falls or rises on the leadership that God has called it to be? Do you see that? Pray for us, brothers. Pray for us, sisters, as we go back because God shows favor to those who want to walk that line. He shows favor to those. But shepherds, pastors are also called not only to lead sheep who seemingly are without a shepherd, they're also called to show great compassion. Great compassion. Zechariah 13, 7. It says, awake my shepherd and strike the, uh, strike the shepherd and sheep and the sheep will be scattered. In that prophecy, Zechariah 13, God was telling the people of Israel that your leaders have led you astray and I'm going to strike them down and you will be scattered, but I will gather you back as a good shepherd does those things. Isn't it what Mark 6 talks about? How Jesus had compassion because he was like, he saw the people like a sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 2 verse 6, the fulfillment of people of God's word came to, of all people, at the birth of Jesus to who? who? They were out in the fields. Who were they? They were shepherds. And in John 10, he speaks openly, uh, Jesus of himself as being the good shepherd. God's compassion then, friends, is not surpri- or is surprising. It presents even when we don't see it and is waiting for us even when we don't expect it. And often that is how pastoral ministry is. We are reminded time and time again in the pastoral ministry that God is our good shepherd, but we are to lead as he leads with grace and compassion, but as we said firstly, with boldness as well. Friends, if you have a concordance, you can have a great quiet time, study time about this. But I want you to know, 1 Peter 5, 4 says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Friends, it is a great joy to pastor here at Tower View, and I, I can speak, I think, for our pastors in saying that, to say that you all have, have made life. It's, it's not easy at times, and no ministry is. It's no walk in the park, but you make being a shepherd of your souls a very joyful thing at times. And there are hard times, guess what? But that will come as it comes. So that's the nature of a, of a shepherd. They're both bold and grace-filled at the same time. What I'd like to do, I, I zoom through that to get to this third point. What I want to do is outline the, 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 the prospect of a pastor. What is a pastor's job? And friends, I want you to write these down if you take notes. If you don't, that's fine. No worries. But I want you to write or remember these the best you can because we need your prayers for these. And after that third point, I want to give you about six or seven just quick little pithy sayings that you can use to know more about why we do what we do here at this church. So the number of pastors is always in the plural. The nature of a pastor is like a shepherd leading sheep. And thirdly, the job description of a pastor, the need of pastors, should the pastor do this as we see? What is the first thing that we are called to do as pastors? Is it to be like Tim Hawkins? How many of you know Tim Hawkins? You know, the great uh, comedian? Is it to make you laugh every Sunday? No. Actually, the first thing that we are called to do as pastors is to nourish, to feed you. To feed you. Hmm. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Very famous verses. This is at the end of Jesus' resurrection before his ascension, and you know the story. 
John or Jesus is with Peter and John and the other disciples and in verse uh, uh, 20 I'm sorry verse 15 John 21 15 it says this when they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these and he said to him yes Lord you know that I love you and Jesus said to him feed my lambs he said to him a second time Simon son of John do you love me and he said to him yes Lord you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, what? Feed my sheep. Friends, we have so taken this ministry of a pastor to a stage where it is not. Friends, we are not called to be entertainers. If your pastor ever becomes an entertainer, whew, uh, that's a grace movement of God right there. Because most pastors can't clap, most pastors can't dance, and most pastors can't make you laugh. But you laugh at them as they try to do all three of those things. Friends, this is our main work, is feeding the sheep. We are here given, according to 1 Timothy 3.2, we are given the ability to teach. We are to feed our people by their ears. We must teach the word of God. This is why we do not sacrifice this. You can throw out lots of things, but you cannot throw out the word of God. If you do, you don't have a church. You have a social club going to hell. Look, a pastor, and Megan will put this up there, a pastor who doesn't preach the gospel is like a mother who doesn't feed her child. That is how serious it is. 2 Timothy 4.12 says, Preach the word. Be prepared in and out of season and correct, rebuke, and encourage. But there are shepherds who don't do that. There are shepherds who would rather see you dancing and going crazy in the aisle with no truth behind it just so they can get a video on Facebook to make it look good for their church than to teach you the Word of God. Now, I'm about having fun. I hope you know that. I'm a former youth pastor. That never dies with you. It never dies. And former youth pastors always have good amounts of fun. But you know what? When it comes to the Word of God, we don't make fun of it. We have fun with it. It's serious, but that is our job. You pray for us each week, folks, that we make that known to you. There are some shepherds who walk around just giving platitudes about things that sound good on Facebook, but when you look good at their theology, there's nothing more than what it is. Uh, I shared this in our Sunday school class. Maybe we've had this discussion already. There's a famous pastor this last week who said, basically, he's going to fly as high as a kite if you trust the Lord. And you know what? That's great. That sounds really, really good. But if you know that pastor and where he's headed, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. It's prosperity nonsense. Friends, what we need to remember is that what most churches call the pastor is just an entertainer in sheep's clothing. Be careful. If you're here visiting, thank you so much. But you go where the, you go where the word is preached. You go where it's taught. You go where it's lived. You do all those things. Because unfaithfulness is defined by not doing those very things. It is the duty of every pastor, elder, overseer, bishop, teacher, whatever you call them, to teach. That list that Matt read for you about being above reproach, being all those things, has no difference among the people of God except that pastors are called to teach. Now, you know me. I've got a light years ahead to be a great teacher, and I mean that truly in self-examination. But one thing that God does is that he reminds us of this fact. Look, let me be very practical. If every meeting I go to, if every thing I'm given in this church as your pastor fails, then let it fail. But this one thing will never fail as long as we are here at this church. The word of God and the preaching of the word of God will never fail this church because that is primary. That is up from our
bed babies all the way up to our senior adult class, which we, we joked about, guys. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. We call it the class that you have to die to get out of, as we said, and do those sorts of things. Uh, if you want to join our class, you can. Uh, these guys are young, and they are good, and I love that class. But you know that is so true. This is the main thing. What we are doing, teaching one-to-one uh, from the pulpit, this is the main thing. This is the call of a pastor. A pastor is not a social organizer. A pastor is not a uh, uh, whatever else it's called to be. All the oversight and teaching should be driven by the word of God. Don't take that for granted, Tower View, because there are many churches where that has gone by the wayside, and so has the church. What need do you have of yourself, Christian? Your greatest need, Christian, here today is not for me to make you laugh. Although we may have share a laugh at my expense as I share sermon illustrations, as we often do. Your greatest need is to know the word of God and be fed the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. It's a joy of our pastors to serve you and serve you with that. That's the first thing. Second thing a pastor is called to do is to know. Is to know. Ezekiel 34, uh, God calls them, and I won't turn there, I'll just read the summary, but God calls the, the shepherds to know the people, to know the people, and to not only know them individually, but to know them familiarly as well. You know, Jesus didn't conquer, he didn't publish books, Jesus didn't preach at large conferences, but he did know his disciples by name. And I'm tell- in July, we're going to break, we're in Mark chapter 3 at the point, we're going to take 12 weeks and go through each of the disciples one by one, because he lists them by name and we want to know those. And this is why he cares for every person Jesus did. He, remember that story of the parable? There was a hundred sheep and one of them went off, and what did the, what did the shepherd do? Did he say, oh... Well, I'm in the black with all these sheep. Let, let, let's just let that sheep go. No, what did, the, what did the good shepherd do? He ran after him, didn't he? And they had a feast because he, he, they celebrated. My, he, he's here. He's back. John 10, 14 says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to me, Jesus said, and they know my voice and they follow me. Friends, sometimes churches become too large for one shepherd pastor to know all the sheep. That's why I pray that you pray as we continue to grow steadily, and we are. We, friends, our average is up every year over year. A few people here, a few people there. That you pray that God would raise up people among us who would shepherd the flock. Men, God may be calling you to do that, and you don't know that yet. God may be leading you that way. Why? Because we want a culture here, because Pastor Darren can only stretch so far. I remember Gumby. Uh, many of you don't know who Gumby was. Stretch Armstrong. You know what? My little puny runner arms can only go so far. And our deacons are those supplement, and we'll, we'll get to that next week where, where the deacons fit in and all this. But as pastor teachers, we need to remember those things. Uh, Richard Baxter, the great Puritan author, the author of uh, the Reformed Pastor, not theologically, yes, but also practically as well. He was known, he used to take a map of his little city there in the Northeast, and he mapped out every, can you imagine this? He mapped out every family in the church. And for a week at a time, he spent a time at their house. And he, he, he taught them the word of God. And two days a week, he would work through part of that list of people in the church. And he horseback rode to all these places. That's got to be cool enough. And he did it. And it was often said he would urge them to tenderly and immediately follow Christ, even as Christians, and few left without tears. Because his love for his sheep. Friends, people don't need their pastor to be cool. Megan will put this up there and funny. We need our pastors to be sincere, honest, and caring. That's why people drive to the church often for that very thing. We pray that among our pastors. Our youth pastor doesn't need to be an entertainer. Gilbert doesn't need to be uh, uh, Chris Tomlin. But 
Although I would argue you have some skill very much that way, brother. Friends, pray for us and recognize this. We don't need silliness up here as leaders. We need seriousness that has fun. And look, God gave us great gifts to enjoy life. Yes, but we need to know you. Friends, we may not be able to know whatever's there. Often it's assumed in the congregation that if the pastor, the pastor knows it all. I don't, I don't. If you don't inform us, we won't know. And we are called by God to know you. If you're always uh, assuming we know things to pray for you, please let us know. We try and pray as faithfully as we can. Let us know. That's number two. Number three is this. The shepherd should lead and guide the sheep. And that's kind of obvious, but I, I want to spend some time there. It comes with wisdom. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul tells them to, uh, at, at, at Ephesus, he says, keep watch over yourselves. 1 Timothy 4.16, he says to Timothy, watch your doctrine. 1 Peter 5, he tells the pastor elders to be examples. First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1, all these things are going back to pastor lead by example, pastor lead by example, pastor lead by example. Friends, that's a lot of weight to follow. Many of you have led organizations before where you're the head honcho, that if something crazy happened, the, the microphone would be up to your face and you'd have to answer for your group. It's a lot of pressure. But friends, you can be an example and humble at the same times. So look, you cannot live off internet podcasts alone and be faithful. I love great pastor preachers. I love celebrity preachers, if you want to call them those things. But the faithful ministry happens, what we are doing right here, right now. John Piper, bless his heart, I love listening to that man. And his, if you've ever seen his hands, they're like, it's like a signal for an airplane or something. But one thing that you know about John Piper is he's one of the most brilliant preachers of our time. But one thing you also know is that he would say, if you are listening to him more than your local pastor, you're, there's trouble there. Because your local pastor is a better speaker than John Piper. No, I, I, I don't attain to be. But I want to live a life, we as pastors want to live lives that you look at us and say, there's Christ. Even in sin, there's Christ. Fathers, mothers, grandparents, is that your prayer for your families? as you shepherd your families, and many of you have stuff, such things. Megan will sit, put this up, and uh, look, our primary goal as a pastor is to lead you to Jesus and leave you there. Ooh, what does that mean? Does that mean you're not going to be with us? No, but friends, look, when a pastor can't, when, when you call, and, and we try and get back to you as quick as you can, Jesus is right there with you all the time, isn't he? Our God never leaves. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we want to be at a place where as you pray through things, that you stand and you spend time before the Lord. We'll pray with you. We want to be there. We want to be right next to you. But we want to take you before the Lord and say, you spend time before the Lord. You're praying for a big decision. We're right there praying with you. That's what we should be doing. That's what we're called to do. But there's a sense in which in Scripture where you yourself, uh, you and your family need to go before the Lord one-to-one on your knees and say, Lord, is this what you have for our family? We want to leave you at the feet of Jesus because, friends, we are not Jesus. I don't claim to be. I don't look like him. I can't bear, have a beard like him, and I certainly don't preach like him. But our God is a faithful God, and as we lead you to him, that is what leading and guiding is all about. Fourth thing I want you to see is this. We are called to guard the sheep, guard the sheep. When most of you think of pastors, this is probably what comes to mind with the feeding being number one or number two. Look, sheep are not stationary commodities. Wouldn't it be great if you were a farmer and all the sheep stood right in line, just like you needed them to do? Parents, if you have young kids, that's an amazing prospect. Hey, sit down in your seat. Hey, put this up. Hey, get, didn't I tell you to buckle your seat? And you know all the, all the things and, and nails come out, so to speak. But sheep are like that. 
They're wandering. They're going here and there and everywhere. And, and, and as that one sheep, as Jesus told the parable, wanders off, the shepherd must protect them in their own wandering off by themselves. Friends, as pastors, one of the most hard jobs that we have is sometimes telling you no. Whether biblically, most likely that's what we'll say, or organizationally no, or one of those things. That is hard for us to do because you know what we as pastors like to do? We're people pleasers. We're in the ministry. We love to please people. We do. Gilbert, you're spot. You, brother, you know this as a pastor. That's what we're called to do. We're called to serve. And service can become an idol so quickly as a pastor. Because when someone comes to us and says, do this, okay, I'll do that. Sometimes we have to contradict and warn you for the very sake of your own soul. Those are difficult times, but sometimes we have to do that. Why? Well, because sometimes, rather than just being polite, we are human as well. We're fearful, we're people pleasers, we're tired, and we say, what's the point of even trying? But friends, I pray, as Megan will put up here, that you pray that God give wandering sheep ears to hear and pastor elders courage to speak what should be spoken to the wandering sheep. I don't know if you've ever had to fire someone before, if you've been in that leadership position before, as far as, I, I remember in a secular job, having to fire someone for the first time. It was one of the hardest, gut-wrenching things I've ever had to do outside the ministry. You talk about someone and, and you know their livelihood, their kids, all those things, but based on performance, that had to happen. Friends, sometimes, in a very more religious, spiritual thing, as pastors, with all grace, with all compassion, with all mercy, with all humility, but with the boldness of a lion, we have to come to you and say, brother, sister, don't go down that road. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do, but it's for the sake of your own souls, for ours, and for the glory of God. That's the duty of every pastor, especially the senior pastor. Would you pray for wisdom for us as we confront things? And there may not be anything right now, but there may be. Pray for us to have soft hearts and do this out of love. Pray we don't get discouraged because we often, as pastors, spend 98% of our time on those who are not prospering and 2% of our time with those who are. Would you pray for wisdom to know how to delineate all those things? You know, and there are some pastors who when it gets going, they only want to be around the sheep. Doc it's kind of like a doctor who doesn't want to be around patients. Have you ever thought about that before? That's kind of self-contradictory in terms. Friends, let us know what's going on. You've been such a sweet congregation. But at countless times, we can never pray if we don't know what's going on in your life. Let us know. Talk to us. Let us counsel with you. And I need to go for sake of time. Number five, shepherds should shelter and protect the sheep from attackers. And that is a little different than number four. John 10, 27, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus said that my father is greater than all. And, and, and this is a long quoted thing, but John Calvin, the great reformer said, a pastor needs two voices. Love this quote. A pastor needs two voices. One voice to drive away the wolves and one voice to drive in the sheep. I'm not a shepherd, but I, 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 that's what some shepherds have. They can whistle it such a way. You've been over in Israel, Patricia, and, and, and Lorne, and Maisel, and you've seen some of this perhaps, but that's where some shepherds are called. They, they, it's almost like that voice of, hey, Simeon, sit down and leave your sister alone. Simeon, sit down and leave your sister alone. You know the difference, don't you? And sometimes as pastors, we must do that. Because here in Acts 20, as we read, there were false teachers already rising up in their ranks. And Titus 1.9 says that pastors must hold firmly to encourage others in sound doctrine. We are called to defend 
the flock. This is why we don't have a, a golden corral approach to the pastorate here at Tower View. We believe that Jesus is the only way, that the Bible is true, the resurrection actually literally, physically, bodily happened, that Jesus is coming back, that there is a God, one God in three persons, and he is equally loving as he is just, and that only Christ saves. But if we were bad shepherds, we would say, well, yeah, did Jesus really say he's the only way to heaven? You know, if you just change it to a way instead of the way, you could be one of the most popular preachers ever, Darren. You could be on every news channel. But friends, that is our call, is to do that. And friends, I want you to know that you need to pray for us in that. Help pray for us. We do not sacrifice on the truths of God's word, not just for our sakes, but for yours as well. Number six, shepherds should, shepherd should love the sheep. Shepherds should love the sheep. We should be eager to be pastor because we love the sheep. First Peter 5 says we should not do it uh, unwillingly, but we should do it eagerly. First Timothy 3 reminds us that we are to set our hearts upon being a pastor. Not because of a job fulfillment, not because of a paycheck, but we want to set our hearts to honor the Lord as we honor and shepherd his people. That's why, again, the, the qualifications for a pastor, except for teaching, are the same for every Christian. Uh, that's why uh, Paul warns about giving over to wine, much drunkenness, quarrelsomeness, a lover of money. These things uh, can't mark a pastor teacher. Why? Because we are not called to be selfish. We're called to be servants. And friends, honestly, as you struggle with in your life as pastors, we face that reality sometimes that we are more prideful than we are humble, even as pastors. And that is our sin. And, and, and friends, I, this sounds funny, but I wrote this statement out. And I want to read it verbatim because I think it's so true. And I want to qualify it by saying, what I'm saying up here, again, is not a, hey, look at us. We're trying to see what the Bible says. Christian members of this congregation, defend your pastors. Don't let gossip ruin the church because of something that may happen in that church. Defend your pastors. If they're in sin, they need to confess that sin, and I will be the first to confess, I pray, in all situations. But defend your pastors. Don't let social media, text messages eat up a church. Let Satan try his best, but together we lock arms under God's grace and we will defend it. Church, submit to us. There's a qualification. Submit to us so we can go be a Jim Jones cult down in uh, Paraguay or uh, David Koresh in Waco in 1993. That's before some of your all's time, and you all know many more. No, that's not what we're saying. But as we lead and prayerfully we're leading in all the ways we've talked to us, submit to us not because we say to, but because as we lead, we want to lead you as Christ is leading us. Share your troubles and temptations with us. Let us know how we can serve you. Stand by us in difficult times. When the world comes back and says, you don't believe that one man and one woman, or you believe one man and one woman is the only way a person should be married, when the world assails us with false truth, and they say, no, it's open, open, open to anyone, you stand by us and say, no, that's not right, even if it means loss of property, even if it means loss of status in the community, your job. Friends, stand with us on the truths of God's word as you have done so well. And agree with us as you are able with a good conscience. There are a lot of things we'll do in the church that you may not agree with, and that's fine. But do you agree with us on the basics? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Look, we're not going to agree on it. We're Baptist, guys. Come on. We're Baptist. We can't even agree what to bring to the, what to bring to the, uh, uh, the, the potluck, right? You see what I'm saying? We're going to disagree on some secondary, even tertiary issues. But friends, together, as we lead, as you respond to our leadership, may we do that to God's glory. I hope that makes sense. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Submit to your leaders 
But friends, we have an even higher calling. James 3.1 says, Not every one of you, brethren, should presume to be teaching, because teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. What, what kicks us in the pants as teachers is what we teach out of this word, because we will give an account for every word that we say from this pulpit, in private and in small group. If you're not a Christian here today, can I encourage you? I pray that in us, as pastors, as Matt, as Pastor Gilbert, that you see Christ. I really pray that you do. But I just want to give you some things this, as we leave, and I've got just a few minutes here as we go. I've gone a little over time than usual, but let me just give you some faith lessons, friends. As a church, some things. And I wrote these out very honestly, and I'm not fishing for comments. That's not what these are out here for. But as you give a practical lesson, how this relates to you, I want you to know. I want you to see it. Not because I want you to feel sorry for us, but I want you to pray that God would make these realities in our lives, in our churches, in our pastors. I hope you see that difference. First off is this. I want you to see, and uh, Megan, you can skip to the next slide. It's okay. We'll skip that next part. Thank you. Uh, I want you to see first off, and I, again, I'm not fishing here, but I want you to see and encourage your pastors because many are really struggling. The, the suicide rate of pastors is almost, almost four out of ten commit suicide because of the demands on ministry of them. These are people who hold the word of God because of pressures that are unmet expectations, uh, uh, realities of things. And friends, I just want to say, I, I don't get any sense of that here at our church, but would you pray for fellow pastors around the country? Would you? Seriously. One of the highest suicide rates among professional people are pastors. Think about that. I don't say that to say, whoa, I'm not trying to shock you, but really, encourage your pastors. Guys, you do so well in that. Thank you for that. Thank you for praying. Thank you for your notes. Thank you for those things. Keep that going, not to scratch our backs, not to pat ourselves on the shoulders, but God is using us in ways that are sometimes hard for the public to see, but there's hard times. Pray for, encourage your pastors, and thank you for doing so well about that. And I'm looking at myself as I write this, because I often do this to myself more than anything else. Number two, pray for your pastor, don't score him. Darren, your sermons are decent, but man, this guy over here can preach. Praise the Lord. If someone can get greater glory out of preaching than myself, praise the Lord. But that doesn't mean I don't study to be a better pastor. Friends, pray for us. Look, we don't, I, I pray that one thing, and I'm, I'm trying to speak from the heart here. I pray one thing, if you've been at Tower View long enough that you know, is we're not here to make the empire of Darren, Matt, and Gilbert. That would be kind of neat. And we, we want to make t-shirts to that end someday, I'm sure. But we're not here to build a ministry empire. We're not here to be anything other than just to be faithful among you. And yes, we err, we sin, we mess up. We need to ask your forgiveness. But friends, don't play. There's a website called ratemyprofessors.com. I'm on there from uh, when I taught at another university. And uh, anyway, it's very interesting. You know, does their hair look good is one of the things. Is, is, is he cute? Uh, you know, all these things. It's silliness. And it's, it's supposed to poke fun at professors and all these things. But I want you to know, we do not, I pray, as a church, go home and say, well, uh, you know, this pastor got a B minus today, but I'm going to that church because he got an A plus the last two Sundays. Find a church and plant there. Does that mean we're above criticism? Not at all. Does that mean we shouldn't grow in our vocation before the Lord, before you professionally and otherwise? Absolutely not. We should never stop growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3, 16. But it does mean, be careful, pray for us. Don't score us, but pray for us. Pray for your pastor, number three, not just for his sake, but for yours. 
You know, Saturday nights, I posted this last night on Facebook because this, this is where that was inspired by, but pray for your pastor. Saturday nights are one of the hardest times because we think back through the week, did I call this person, did I do that? But our primary job above all that is to preach the word because that affects you. Pray for us. As you go through this week, as you see the scriptures coming, pray, God, give him insight into that passage. Not give him a special revelation that doesn't make sense theologically, contextually, historically, but Lord, in the passage, speak to your pastor through that word. Lord, as I come and worship, open my eyes to see what you want me to see. And thank you for faithfully praying for us. Number four is this. Be grateful if your pastor doesn't always, or, whoa, let me say the correct version of this. Be grateful if your pastor always sounds the same because the truth doesn't change. So many pastors, and I'm going to use his name publicly because he has been public for, about this. There was a man named Rob Bell, R-O-B-B-E-L-L, about 10 years ago, who wrote a book called Velvet Elvis. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. It's a very dynamic book. He, he put out these videos called the NUMA videos. <laughs> And Rob Bell, uh, at the time, didn't show all his cards, but those who were conservative knew something under the hood didn't make a lot of sense. Rob Bell came back, I think, in about six years ago and wrote a book called Love Wins, Why Hell is Not Real. And within a year, uh, Matt, I believe, about a year after that, he resigned and said, I'm no longer a Christian, I'm no longer a pastor, I no longer believe the things that I believe. He tried to keep up with the times of cultural relevancy, and he lost the truth in the midst of it. Friend, pray. That we don't sound, pray that we sound like an old broken record. How many of y'all remember records? Come on now. Not, not eight tracks or CDs or tapes, but old records. Yeah, five, yeah, that's right. Pray for us that we sound the same each week. Now, that may change in our presentation. That may change in our delivery. Darren may actually slow down and take a breath in his sermon at one point. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but pray the truth never changes in our hearts. A couple more things. And friend, I want to write the, I know we're over time usually. Thank you for your grace. Three more things and we'll be done. The, just three. <laughs> Thank you for praying for us. One, two, three. Every time, there's a quote that often goes around there. Every time you need him is not your pastor's job description. It is the Lord's. Friends, I don't say that piggishly. I don't say that selfishly. We will be there as you call us and as we are able. But first and foremost, the Lord is the meter of all your needs, not your pastor. I hope that makes sense. Do you, do you see that difference there? I, parents, I hope you know, uh, I, 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 we've seen so many of you lead godly families, and you know this. I can't meet all of our, uh, you know, as much as I love our son and, and with his autism, we can't meet every one of his needs. There's a lifetime of discovery. He has to do himself, even with all the great therapies out there to help him and transition him and all those things. I can't be here for, for him all the time, but the Lord is. And the same goes for you. We, we may not have connected in a while. We'd li- love to do that, but no. If we can't be at your house through every major decision, the Lord is there with you. And what a great thing that is. I don't believe this is true of our congregation, but I I need to put this out there because it's so true. If you want your pastor to fill his sermons with jokes, antecedents, and stories to keep you entertained, I feel very sorry for you. And I'm speaking to myself that, that that weight grates against each week as your pastor. Friends, does this mean that a sermon can't have a story? Of course not. Good grief. We shared about 10 of them today already. But what is the purpose we're here to do? To study God's word together. That's why we're here. And if your church, if our church ever gets to the point where it becomes a comedy club hour, friends, we've missed the boat. And number three, and I wrote this for myself, because this is true of me more than anyone in this congregation. Your pastor might be a huge jerk in need of rebuke. (laughs) 
more likely he's just an ordinary sinner doing his imperfect best to pray and encourage. Friends, we don't always know what impact our ministry is having. Often we look over you all and think, what is God doing in lives? How is this working? How is this working out? And we don't see the fruit. We may never, Lord willing, God may never show us the fruit of ministry we do here, even immediately. But one thing we need to remember is we are one sinner, pastor, church member, deacon, elder, whatever you are in this church, you are one sinner leading another sinner to get bread. And that is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. He said, eat of me, and you'll never go hungry again. God is so good. Guys, we love you. I hope you, it's a different type of sermon, isn't it? Don't typically hear this stuff. But I pray we love you all so much. Can I speak for our pastors? What a joy it is to be here at Tower View. Friends, we are not perfect. I'm young. Gilbert's young. Matt, you're younger. (laughs) I love you, brother. Just give me a hard time. We're going to make mistakes. We're not always going to do the things that we should be doing. And we appreciate you all saying, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you think about this? Thank you for loving us, even through hard times. Guys, we love you. We'd have it no other way. Thank you for it. Will you pray with me this morning as we go? Father, this is not your typical sermon on a Sunday, but Lord, these are questions that have come up so much in the last several years. Father, I pray just through the bullet points. I pray that you raise up godly men in this congregation, on the lay side especially, to minister among us. Lord, formally or informally, that you would do that to your glory. Father, I pray for all those who would serve and are serving as pastors in some way here, that you would help us to, uh, Father, remember that you are the great shepherd and we are all sheep without a shepherd, but you've called us to be faithful to this vineyard. Father, and thank you for this vineyard of Maple Park and Grace Mooring, Claycomo and Randolph all around us. Father, I pray that you help us to, to know, to guard, to defend, to, to lead, to feed, uh, Father, all and love and, and all those great characteristics and so many more that we didn't get to today of a pastor. Father, I pray this not for my sake as, as the label of senior pastor. I don't pray this for Matt as pastor of students or Gilbert as pastor of worship selfishly. But Lord, I pray that you empower us as we empower others to raise up people to the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. Father, that everything we do here would point back to the fact that the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, gave his life. So we ought to do that for others, especially the brethren. Father, thank you for so many faithful men and women in this church who know these things so much. Guard our church against whatever it needs to be guarded against. But Lord, help us to exalt to all the things you call us to exalt to the highest heavens. Lord, that's our prayer and desire. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We join me in standing as we close out our last two songs here. Friends, we'll be up front. Matt's over by an em- Matt's by an empty tomb, and I'm by an empty tomb. You can't miss us. We'll be up front. If you'd like to pray, talk about membership, next membership class will be May 21st. For those of you interested, if you have a need, come down, talk with us. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be, but we serve a perfect God who is. Let's sing. Lord.